This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I am unashamed. What about you? So um, on the on our last overtime, by the way, if you missed the overtime, Dad sang. He doesn't sing very often on the podcast. And he actually sang a bar. So, Dad, I looked up... Uh, you asked me what the words were to what a friend we have in Jesus. So I found that uh, for this podcast. Phil <laughs> just got his earphones on, so he didn't even know you were talking to him. But that's okay. We had some that's technical right. difficulties. So, Dad, so, Dad, I looked up the words, what a friend we have in Jesus. Because you sang that on the overtime last time. Uh, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs Grief to bad. bear. Yeah. Uh, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Yeah. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. When was that written? I thought it was, when was that written? Uh, I'm going to guess 1855. 1855. You realize I've <laughs> only found two coins older than that, I think? 1855 is when that, that song That would have made written. it right before the Civil War or right after? Yep. Civil before. War didn't start until 1860. Right before. Incredible. Yep. So, Phil, so, see, technology. You got it. Look, I, I, I thought of something for you. So you got, because we explored, I can't go into details about some of these shows we're going to do, but I think I can dance around this. We can edit it if, if I don't. But we, we stumbled up on a... Oh, civilization, not we, I mean just modern day here in the last 70 years, where people were here three to 4,000 years ago. And even here, the, the place not far from here, four or five miles, Watson Break, I think it's older than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but it made me think. Those, those Indian mounds. Yeah, so it made me think those you know, we were here. We are hunters and gatherers, and and then we got into the. This was before, you know, back then was even before agriculture. But agriculture comes along, and it just completely changes civilization. So then, what happens? The industrial revolution happens. Well, that just turned everything on its head because now it was real tough because your family would just hang out together. But now that people are going off to work and to them, it's kind of like now we're in this informational age. Well, that's even worse. I mean, we're, as, a bummer. As, as bad as you, you think that, I mean, but I'm saying there was a time in our history when the industrial revolution hit that it was like, oh no. I mean, there, I mean, what's happened to the family structure? It's everybody's gone, going their separate ways. We never had any idea. All of the <laughs> ideologies, 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 all of them, they say in order to get socialism, communism, whatever, dictatorships, in order to get them there, you have to rid the earth of the family structure. 
Oh, that's where it all starts. Grandma, yeah. grandpa, sons, daughters, granddaughters, son, holding together. You say, get rid of that. Because as long it, as they have to, that, you'll never be able to conquer. Well, the number one training ground in the world for your kids is the house. That yep. breaks right. down. You, you can't but expect to your point, society though, to fix what's going on. We're teetering on the we're on the edge of collapse. Some people are saying, "Oh, some old guy running his mouth down there." I'm telling y'all, unless there's some kind of mass repentance with these next few elections coming up, unless there's a well, mass repentance, I'm telling you, this thing is going to going to be belly up. I hate it for y'all. Y'all will see it. It used to be, it used to be easy. You never had. It wasn't hard to have your value system taught generationally, because to your point, Jay's. For the first, you know, I guess 150 plus years of our country's existence, everybody was in that agricultural setting of farms. Yeah, majority and you had generations of them. there. So, in other words, it wasn't hard. It wasn't like you had to say, you know, we got to make sure we learn from grandpa and we got to spend more time with their parents because it was just life. Right. And so the change was when the culture changed and then the opportunities changed. Now we're saying things like we've got to get back to that. We got we got to get back to families. We got to yeah. get back to generations. Well, I mean, look, Phil, when you're you came to the Lord, you know, whatever the reason to escape your past or whatever, when you basically decided not to use your master's degrees or and live moved down to the riverbank and just kind of live off the land and return back to that hunter gatherer. We had a garden agriculture <laughs> type with granny and, and Paul well, and our grandparents were here, you know, and y'all were out. I'm not sure where y'all were at my childhood, but we were here. And so we had that family structure. And I, I really think there's no, there, that that's, that's, there's no other really explanation. The reason I think our family held up well, through the years is because it was a great foundation. Yeah. You know, whether, and not, not to say that mistakes weren't made and all that, but we dealt with them and we got through them. And now. Well, Jace, Jace, that 15 years that we were able to spend from 76 to 91 with our grandparents, and you and I got the biggest benefit because, you know, our, Jeff and Willie were younger, but we got so much more than just learning how to play dominoes and cards and getting to hang out with them. I mean, we heard their wisdom of their life, things they had learned. We, we learned a lot of Bible from them. And so, I mean, I wouldn't trade anything for that, that time I had with them. And even Lisa got in on it cause you know, we were married and she still had some time with them too. So, and, and, you know, I get the opportunity now and I consider it one of the greatest blessings ever that my kids and my grandkids live about 150 yards from me on the either side of where I live. Yeah. And so not everybody gets that opportunities. You don't always, you know, are there for people to live that, that type lifestyle. But I, I mean, now I'm grandpa. We turned in gourds. You know? We, we turned the family structure over to the government to teach yeah. and guide our children. Yeah. Bad move. I would not Back recommend off. any children going to public schools now. I just wouldn't do it's it. It's getting worse and worse. You're getting not, worse and worse. Right. Well, yeah, used to, you, I mean, people who, like homeschooled, they were considered kind of freakish, you know. Yeah. But now you're like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> I see your yeah. point. But You went from it, cultist it, to yeah. him. You're exactly right. But it's the, you know, people blame the system, and that's why I stay out of politics so much, because now 
through this informational age, you no longer have the news. You can't find just a place where you just hear what's Without happening. Without opinion. Y'all, well, right. Y'all. It, it, it's all, I mean, no matter what the issue is, they just line people up. And they literally cover the same ground on two different perspectives, and they argue. And I'm not sure if that's necessarily a good thing all the time. They're you know? fixated on sex. They've, they're fixated on it, and they can't get off of it. And everything you hear from them, that comes out. So I would recommend y'all have raised y'all's children. Your children are adults now. Yep. See what I'm saying? Both you. Yep. You, you. I'm looking at adults. But those adults are beginning to have children, and you say, "Hmm, it's that it's those times that scare me." Y'all better y'all better just keep a tight rein on your family well, structures. All I can tell you. But it was just like the industrial revolution. It wasn't the products that they were making because it was exciting. I mean, it it it's the same thing with the information now. You have to ask yourself a question: Am I reading this, or is it? reading me in every aspect whether it's tv or what you listen to or your phone or i think that's the the question you you got to ask yourself because i mean like when we were down here with very little technology and very little manufacturing tools i mean it's pretty basic down here i mean you're hand making nets and different things but what it allowed you to do i think is find this humility that we talked about last podcast, which, yep. which is essential because, yep. you know, I've always been pretty cocky and especially, you know, I'm, I'm a competitor. If we didn't but, prove but, anything yeah. else, Jay, we proved it can be done. But, but I remember every time I would, woo. I would brag or be disrespectful, even in playing dominoes or whatever, you know, I'd, cause I've always been good at games and uh, so, but you know, at an early age when, when I'm down here, when you don't have any kind of technology or, I mean, I live, I woke up every morning thinking, who am I going to beat today? I, I'm fixed to win. <laughs> and so, but with that came a lot of arrogance and cockiness, you know, uh-huh. but as a kid, thankfully I was in a structure where, cause I remember y'all, the punishments was usually work. I mean, there, there were, you know, a few butt For some reason, for... Jace, uh, I coined the phrase. It came from me, and they said, when your name would come up, I said, Lone Wolf McQuaid. <laughs> yeah, but Lone I remember Wolf. what I'm saying is when the cockiness <laughs> would reach a certain level, y'all were real good at finding the nastiest of jobs to get us to do. And then you're like the whole time, yeah, boy, you're hot stuff now. You know, I mean, it just. I, mean, I remember when you're I gave, y'all, fish, a, I gave y'all a speech. You were young, all of you. Al was there. I would say, probably Al was early teens. Then y'all just went on down. I gave you a speech one time. I gathered everybody up. I said, "Here's the way this works." I said, "I'm going to catch these fish, and come to the bank down there." The fish have to go from the boat to the truck. I said, your mother is going to drive the truck. I said, y'all are to be helpers. You're to be standing on the bank when you see the boat coming. I said, I want y'all to be standing on the bank. And the task is 
we get the fish from the boat to the tubs, walk up that slippery, muddy bank, get them over in the pickup truck, then you can go with your mother if you want to to the fish market. But y'all need to help me on that because when I pull up out here, I got 400 pounds of fish, 5,000 pounds of fish. I'm having to load them all up in the tubs and get a both grip on both sides of the tub and stagger up that hill. Yeah, but if you would have explained it that way, it would have been a lot more fun. <laughs> you, 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 as the years have gone by. Because when I pulled up the next morning, I looked up there on the bank, and y'all were all standing there from the oldest to the least. And some couldn't even pick up a tub, you know, Jeff. But I just looked, and y'all were standing there with your mother. I said, you know what? I think they're going to help me. So I'd pull up, and then it would go forth, and we did well, that. I'm, I'm on. I'm going to give the week translation. Week in and week out. I have a totally different memory of those times. <laughs> My memory was, hey, get your butt down there and get on the other end of that tub. What do you think? You want to eat supper, don't you? You want something to eat? Get your butt down there. But you I'm don't saying. Start helping out. There will be some leather on the. Yeah, on I don't the, think there was a quarter. choice in the matter. But I, what I, my point was, it taught us humility, taught us a value of hard work, about yep. not thinking yourself more highly. We literally than you were are. living on what I was catching. We literally lived it, on it. It was a humble, <laughs> it was humble means. It was. And uh, even. But think about now, Jace, you stayed the course, you, Al. No, I'm grateful. Really? Look, I'm grateful. And you Me look too. up and you say, good night. We're millionaires. I mean, <laughs> started out with fish coming up the riverbank, you know. But that's way more scary because when you're, when you have blessings and when you think you're a rival, that's when you're in trouble. Yep. And uh, you just see it over and over from a biblical. But just for the record, I'm more of a thousand air. Um, <laughs> just... <laughs> Just, just so we'll be able to clarify that. But it's that. about perspective. You know, it's just a it few is. numbers. What's the diff? But exactly it takes right. us back to that pride thing. I mean, you you read that Ezekiel twenty eight and the fall of the evil one. I mean, it we we usually go to the garden as where it all went wrong. But it went wrong somewhere in the fact that because God does not, you know, create evil. At one time, the evil one was good. And if you read that That's that illustration from Ezekiel twenty eight, where I mean, maybe you Al, you're you're more of the Old Testament guy, but it's like it it's it's a description of a king, but it's done in a way where almost it's mirroring what happened to the evil one and why he went awry. And it, yeah. he was beautiful. He thought of himself, oh, look, I'm better than all the rest of you angels. You mentioned and, pride in the last podcast. That's pride well, I, was there. I mean, maybe I think it's Ezekiel 28. On, I'm throwing that out there. Hang like on, I'm looking at it, too. Let's take a break. So one of the things uh, I enjoy coming down here to the southern lair uh, able to do podcasts from down here and especially now that we've kind of got better internet good connection and so i can really enjoy talking with y'all without having any lags uh, but one of the things that we had to do when we were looking at investing in, in real estate and property is we really needed to be able to have our credit score uh, as high as it could be to save us money because if you're looking at it uh, as an investment uh, you don't want to spend a bunch of money in interest that you don't have to 
And that's what one of our sponsors, ScoreMaster, does to help boost your credit score. They do a, they boost at an average of 61 points, uh, which is really going to save you a ton of cash. And, and for some, of course, it's even higher. Uh, their technology was developed by credit data scientists. They boost your credit score higher and faster than you even thought was possible. So check these guys out. Lisa and I have used it. It helped us to get really better interest rates. You can try ScoreMaster for free and see how many plus points you can add to your credit score. Go to scoremaster.com slash phil, P-H-I-L, that's scoremaster.com slash phil to get some higher credit points and to lower some interest rates. Scoremaster.com slash phil. Yeah, it was a prophecy against a king but you're right the the languaging uh has always sort of mirrored the idea that we get about satan being a fallen angel the the morning star the you know one time he was there was a rebellion in heaven you know we we only get these little clues here and there about you know what happened in that other realm that has nothing to do with us in the in the initiation yep. but has everything to do with us once satan got here Yep. You know, so, I mean, we, we don't know exactly how it all went down, but I know there was rebellion. I know there were there were angels that decided that they knew better than God. And the difference is between us and them, this we know too from Peter, is that they don't get the opportunity of reconciliation like we do. So That's right. Okay, I, I got it now. It was Ezekiel 28. Yep. So in this prophecy about this king of Tyre, he says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You are the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Which, I mean, to my point, when you think you're on the top of the mountain, that's when you need to say, uh-oh. Yep. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, and he goes through these stones. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. Uh, you were anointed as a guardian cherub. For so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God and walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. So it does seem like that's mirroring some image of mm -hmm. the devil slash the evil one. What do you think, right. Al? Yeah, absolutely. I've always taken it as that, especially with those references in there. A lot of the, a lot of the Old Testament prophecy would always have a double meaning. You know, in other words, it would be about something that was going on in their day, but then you see the New Testament writers quoted all the time because it was prophetic about Jesus or about something that was going to happen in the well, future. Yep, in yep. this case, I think it was prophetic about what happened in another realm. I think you're exactly right. I think he uses Satan's fall as a picture for the fall of this guy, you know? Yeah, so you fast forward to 2 Corinthians 5 where we're at, we're talking about this not becoming prideful, and his admonition to humble yourselves before the Lord, be used by the Lord so that he can reconcile the world to himself. And what we read in James 4 last time, when we talked about the friendship with the world is hatred toward God, you know, in verse 7 of James 4, he says, Submit yourselves then to God, which would be the opposite of pride. Then it says, Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Come near to God and come near and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, your sinners, purify your hearts. Grieve, mourn, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves for the Lord, 
and he'll lift you up. So I see a connection there with having those spiritual qualities that Jesus started off with on the Sermon on the Mount and this humility and being open-minded in your perspective of Jesus and who you are and keeping pride out of your life. But you're not going to do it easily. You know, I jotted down a few things that I think that's helpful to that. I mean, one we've already talked about putting your faith in, you know, things rather than the creator, but also in our informational world. I mean, you just think, I think just having this verb or noun called a selfie, I mean, that that's the image now of the informational world where you can take a picture of yourself and call it a selfie and your whole world, speaking of what he's talking about in Second Corinthians 5 about not thinking like the world from a worldly point of view, you can either use it for something good, you know, have it a platform for Jesus, put that information out there, which some people do. Of course, then it's censored. But most people that are falling into the trap it's the glorification of yourself, which causes pride, and what your status is. And you yeah. lose this, what, what you should have, which is what you are, is plain to God. You're just thinking what you are is how you present yourself out there in a way that somehow you're better than everybody else or you're more beautiful than everybody else or you're more successful than everybody else so people like you and they follow you. And I just think that's a cliff that doesn't have a happy ending. No, it's built on such a such a uh, ungodly principle. You know, it's funny, Dad, because if, if, if you were going to, you wondered because something didn't feel right about your face or your beard or something, what would you go do if you wanted to see what the problem was what would you what would you what would your action be what would you look into i look no further than the culture i live in i just observe it I <laughs> you look went at, deep i, I, I meant just a mirror i meant a mirror you would go look in a mirror right if you were going to wonder if there's something wrong with your face kids yeah. today they don't look at mirrors they they take a picture of themselves on their phone yeah. and then they they pull the the image of their face up on the phone to see, check their makeup, check their Maybelline, all that. No, well, some of them it. take a picture of them in a mirror and put that on there. <laughs> well, I don't know how many there there are out there uh, in our culture who just said this. Look, Al, I just walled it off. <laughs> I just when I saw the years ago, I could see it forming, and I said. It's not a governmental fix. Yeah. It's not a political fix. It's a spiritual fix. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And we, so I view it from the spiritual side. <clears throat> Therefore, I don't I don't watch all this stuff that you're saying because it it's just nonstop. But the same principle is there. Going back to the evil one, people full of pride. You know, get that Bible out of my way. Yeah, yeah. Fixated on sex and and the various ways you can be immoral. It it just was too much for me to bear. I said, no, I, I don't want anything to do with that. To this day, I, to, I just don't look to, at cell phones and say, you know, damn will pull up something in the cosmos and show me every once in a while, the eunuch old Dan, he'll show me something. I'll look at it. I said, man, 
Whew, why would you have a doubt there's a God after looking at this? He, he shows me things like that. Right. But if day-to-day human beings attack, yeah, but I'm attacking saying... each other and government's passing edicts and we've got to wear a mask and got to do the rules and rules and rules and rules, I just said, no. Nah. I just can't take it. I know, but... It saddens me so much. But my point is we're, we're here... And we have a passage that we're trying to persuade men based on Christ's love. So I'm saying I I do think there are ways that you can use it for something good. And there's a lot of people doing that. But we have to remember that when we move into 2 Corinthians 6, when we get, get over there on that path, when the Apostle Paul begins to say what he's going through, just to get the message out, it makes me think we are we are in a far better position to point people to Jesus than the Apostle Paul and his cohorts were the, the initial apostles. Well, there's maybe. no there's no denying that they were all were slaughtered. But when you start reading over there in beatings and prisons and riots and hard work and sleep, when you start reading what these guys were going through. It's, it makes me think we have it way better well, than these guys had it 2,000 years ago. True? I mean, we do as far as comfortability, but from a humble, I mean, they were, I think this is what was causing a lot of humility in their life. Oh. That's why I'm well, saying think- it, it's hard, it's easier because your life is more pleasant and you're more comfortable, but now you're also having to struggle with this pride coming up. Woo. And, and thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. So, I, you know. I, yeah, I think Dad's looking at it more from the um, more the persecution side of it, which we would all agree. I think that being called names on the Internet is not – that's not bothering me. I, I don't care. Because, I mean, yeah, I don't feel it persecuted It does not bother me one bit. But some people, that's their greatest fear, Dad, is that there's going to be some – viral wave against huh. them on social media. So, you know, again, Jace is right. I think it's it's the culture we live in that dictates so much of this stuff. And for young people, I mean, they, look, Dad, they're killing themselves. I know it. Children and teenagers are killing themselves because of how they're viewed on social media. Our I mean, own that's nephew. How, our own nephew. Yeah. Well, that was fantastic. College yeah. educated. I mean, hanged himself in a jail cell. Yep. Fentanyl. Drugs. Fentanyl was behind the whole thing, and you so it even got into our family structure. By the way, uh, let's take a break. By the way, Dad, last year you know how many died from drugs and mostly fentanyl? A hundred thousand. A hundred thousand. Just like our cousin. So that's mm. that's a, another scourge of the evil one. That's yep. you know. Well, let's uh, let's talk about this verse thirteen, Church Five, where it says. Yeah, I want to pick up some of those we missed. I mean, he talks about the heart, which we'll get into in chapter six a lot because he brings it up. <clears throat> but then he says this statement, which is a curious statement, verse thirteen of chapter five. If we're out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we're in our right mind, it is for you. Now, I've always used this as the Uncle Si verse. I mean, I, in my speeches. <laughs> I'll say size favorite verse. <laughs> I'll read this. But I want to get y'all's take before I give you mine on it. What do you think? Well, I think um, 
I think it goes back to how he started this at 12 when he says, you know, we're not trying to commend ourselves to you again. He says this a lot because it's like, hey, we're not we're not trying to sound braggadocious, but and then he goes into, you know, what he's going to tell him. He said, I want you to take pride in us rather, you know, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is rather what is seen instead of what's in the heart. So the idea is he's wanting them to follow his example. But then he says, if we're out of our mind. It is for the sake of God. So in other words, if somebody thinks we're crazy or thinks we're just too gung-ho, is what I think it means, um, yeah, we'll do anything for the Almighty. But if you're in our right mind, it is for you. In other words, but ultimately, we always care about what happens to you. So that's kind of the way I've always taken it is like, don't view us as crazy people. We're just totally committed to the cause and to the ministry. And you can always count on us for that. Because what think he was going, going through, Al, we go through the same thing to a certain extent, but they had it rougher than we do. So we shouldn't right. think that, you know, well, in the in this modern age, we can't go out and point people to Jesus. We just said, it may seem crazy to you, but 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 we're convinced he's the way out of here. We're convinced of it. So we tell people, we since we know what it is to fear the Lord, the opening line is we, we try to persuade men. So... It's just a we've niche. heard people, it's and we've niche. heard people say it before. You know that they're, they're gung ho. Those people are holy rollers. Oh yeah. I mean, there's you know oh. people always have these little cutting ways of viewing people that are like totally in on Christianity and and being vocal about it. So I think it's that sort of vein is what I've always thought that he meant by it, just in the context of where we are. Well, I think there's a story in Acts 26 I wanted to read you, and. I think this affected him to some degree with having moments like this. And I think it, it provides some insight here. So he's speaking in verse 22 of Acts 26. He said, I have had God's help to this very day. And so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that Christ would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. And I don't think that's any different than what we say That's right. on a daily basis. That is God correct. is helping us. <clears throat> We're persuading people. We're not going and saying anything beyond what the prophet said and what the disciples and the apostles said, that Jesus is the son of God, he died, and he was raised from the dead. Well, at this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. And watch what he says. You're out of your mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, he really didn't say anything that profound to me. He shouted, and he shouted, you're out of your mind. Which is funny when I brought up the Psy thing. Psy says that phrase a lot. Like when we're just talking, and you know, he, have you ever noticed that? He's like, "You're out of your mind," and I'm just like, "You're you're you're saying I'm out of my mind," but anyway, <laughs> he shouted, "Your great learning is driving you insane." So I'm, he knew he was smart. Well, right. He was like, "You think you're so smart, and they figured out these prophecies and the prophets and." But you're saying that 
there was a guy who was the son of God who died and he came back from the dead. He's like, your, your learning has driven you insane. So Paul said, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because I was not because it was not done in a corner. So I mean he, he wasn't like he he was trying not to burn the bridge or anything. If somebody's calling you crazy, he was responding to persecution in a loving way. Well then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? That's what led me here is because this the part that says in verse 11 since we know what it is to fear the lord we try to persuade men and then he's like if i'm out of my mind if you think i'm out of my mind it is for the sake of god i mean it, it, it's just i think there were people at the church there that thought this belief in jesus and, and all that goes along with it worship and in their cases they had so what has changed gifts. from then to now, you say this was probably written. What do you say, First and Second Corinthians? When was that written? Now, late fifties, A.D. fifties, late fifties. So. so we're in the fifties. The people that the Apostle Paul is addressing, including their leadership, people like Festus. When you you say so, what happened to them? It collapsed, uh, uh, Jace. Their whole setup. Festus yeah. too. It all went down, and right. literally right now, if you went over there, where this was being said in 50, now in 2022, you look back at you say, what happened to Corinth? What happened to the Roman Empire? It's a pile of rubble, Al. All right. It's well, all I a pile of rubble. You say these words have way more meaning when you when you say, by the way, Paul's trying to persuade men, and we're 2,000 years later, we're trying to persuade men because we know what it is to fear the Lord. You say, but what happened to empires who don't take us up on this deal? They don't investigate it so that they can have faith in Jesus. If they say, get the Bible, they're nuts. They're, they're, they're redneck, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that well, talk, you know, we need to get them out I of think here. It's the same. Fire them. It's, <clears throat> it's the same thing they say. Hang do on, you James. Let's take a break. Do you think you are going to try to persuade us in this short time just by some simple story about this man here 2,000 yeah. years ago? I mean, it's the same kind of demeaning logic. But I was to finish but the But think thought, about it, Jace. Think about the brilliance of, of Paul in that the only reason he had an audience with King Agrippa, with Festus, with the Roman leadership in this moment is because he took a beating that he didn't, he took a lot of beatings, but he took one that was illegal. He got, as a Roman citizen, they beat him and, and that was against the rules. So he had an opportunity, he had a right as a Roman citizen to take it all the way to the top. And so imagine all the stuff that happened to Paul, but he decided to do that, to take it all the way and why did he do that? I believe it was just so he'd have an opportunity to share Jesus with everybody he went up the chain with. 
yep, including yeah. Festus and Augusta and, and, and all. And he and caught a glimpse of when <clears throat> Brian Kilmeade, I was, I was being interviewed by him, one of his things there, and he said, let me play a word game with you. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say Joe Biden? I said, hell on earth. That was a couple of years ago. I said, hell on earth. And he's just looking at me, and I was looking at him, and that ended the interview, but uh, but that's my final words of that. Well, now he can he can check it and see. How's it going up in a, 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 these American politics and our culture? You, are you How's saying you gave him a little you gave him a little prophecy there, Dad? You a little prophecy? I just going I just, on? I just gave him a little word there. Well, what does this mean to you? And he said, Joe Biden. What do you think Might of? Be a little bit of an embellishment, but I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I hadn't. I look, at our, pretty, I look at our political structure it's now. Hellish. And well, I'm not at, sure what hell. How many did you say is. died from overdose with drugs? One hundred thousand last year alone. Yeah, and they wonder why I say, you know, it can be hell on earth. <clears throat> but I'm him. saying, Phil, you we also say that I mean, you're not going to fix the problems politically. That's why I said you, you got to. It goes back to that home and what's going there, and I think it is a spiritual problem. I mean, I just think when you're looking and when you're trying to go to the system to fix the problems, it, it's just I don't care who's president, it, it ain't going to work, you know. It's like somebody said, you you can't legislate love. I mean, if they would have an amendment or Congress would pass one to say, look, we got two laws on the docket today. We're going to say that everyone needs to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, now we're getting somewhere. Let's legislate that. But as a common rule, they don't do it. And so... Because you can't control how people are getting along from a government status. You can't control mm-hmm. that. I mean, I'm driving down the road. Somebody pulls out in front of me. I ain't worried about who the president is. I'm like, this joker is an idiot. Yeah. Well, what am I going to do about it? So in that moment is what I'm saying. And then it goes back to how you were taught, the training that happened in your house. So I, I'm, I mean, you're right. Because, I mean, look, I disagree with almost every principle and you know, you law, know. <laughs> law that's happened, but I still don't think it can correct You, you know what my answer would have been if he had said, what comes to your mind when I say these two words? He said, Joe Biden, and I gave him an answer. If he had said, Jesus Christ, I would have been been, been uh, would, thankful. Would you have said peace, peace on earth? Peace on earth, love for <laughs> your neighbor. Yeah, and and I'd have said love for your neighbor. That's what I was trying to, to get him to see. But well, yeah. I'm saying I don't necessarily disagree with him, but I'm disagreeing with the uh, the answer to me is is got to come. I mean, we're, somehow we have the been name given he the, gave. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Yep. What I get more upset about is that a lot of these theologians and scholars. I don't know what you think about this, Al that they just they believe this was only for Paul. But I get the impression from reading this, when he says so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. If anyone We're the ambassadors. That's what I'm saying. And they're like, no oh doubt. no, that was Paul. And that's why people just sit on the sidelines and watch. They appoint but, ambassadors to do this and that the other. We've been appointed as ambassadors for God. There is a difference, Al, a, a monumental difference. 
You know, when he says he is committed to us, the message of reconciliation, I take that to mean everybody, the whole body. Sure. We manifest that in different ways. Sure. Different talents, gifts, whatever you say. But we're all united, pointing people to the head of our church, the head of the temple, the cornerstone, which is Jesus, which people will think is absolutely crazy. The leadership back then, what did he do when it came to politics? He just shared Jesus. The gospel is still here. Jesus is still here. The message is still being being, being generated from fellows like us. We just follow Jesus. We try to tell people that. And you say, uh, what happens to nations who reject Jesus? They collapse. There is no more Roman Empire. That's when this was written. Right. So we're looking at what happened to these cities, which looking at it, Galatia and Ephesians, and it had an it had an effect. It was it it come across there. It, there was hell on earth. It's a pile of rubble, Jace. Yeah, the Roman Empire is gone. So let's, uh, let's let's take our last break. But Jace, think about it. why would Paul have said on numerous occasions, including his Corinthian letters, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, if it wouldn't apply to this idea about ministry of reconciliation. Well, I, I don't know. I was just upset when I read a lot of these commentaries that seemed to distance the normal believer, I don't know what you want to call him, rank and file, from something specially commissioned to Paul as though in his team, I guess Priscilla and Aquila, maybe. But I don't know. I, I, I was shocked. When well, I, I would, my, my answer to that was, of course, he is talking about himself and their their leadership there. But everything crosses. I mean, you start in verse 16. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I mean, Paul was talking about himself, but wouldn't that translate to how we view people? The, the believers, the rank and file, shouldn't have view people from a worldly point of view. We once regarded Christ that way. We do no, we do so no longer. Mm-hmm. That would be everybody. I mean, you should never, you know, you have to view him as Lord. So, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. I've seen the same thing before. I, I just don't understand why, why you would think that. In other words, I just think what, it's the model. The yeah, you know? it's the model of a lot of American churches. I think. Yeah. I mean, this forget. is not preached about. Look, that's why. I mean, I was like, we were going to move on. I was like, let's not move on. Let's spend another podcast. Because I, I believe if everybody realized that God is using us, this yeah. is why we're here. We're his ambassadors despite our sins. I mean, we're humble because, I mean, that's why he went on, we, you know, went so in detail. He knows what we are. It's plain. It's plain to him and everybody else. We're, yep. we're a bunch of ragged sinners. Yep. And God is still using us. And then he has this charge about persuading men, being Christ's ambassadors. Then he, then he gets personal, being reconciled to God. Yep. And then he's like, you're God's fellow workers in chapter and, 6. And we've one. been given the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciled in the world to himself in Christ. And the best news out of the whole little, little dissertation, not counting men's sins against them. He's committed exactly. to us the message of reconciliation, which is the death of Jesus, his burial, and resurrection. Well, yeah, the message is not our message. No, I mean, that, that, if you ever want a clear statement on that, and we're, we've been given this message of reconciliation. That is correct. Well, where do you factor in that? You don't. 
I mean, Jesus on a cross and his resurrection is what reconciled the world to himself. A guy walked up yesterday while the church was meeting, and he walked up to me, and he had a pen and a paper, and he said, I saw you down there at the book signing thing at Books a Million. He said, I, he said, well, what, what do those arrows mean? That's why I like the arrows. It's a good conversation. He said, what does those arrows mean? And I said, well, the first one is coming out of heaven when God became flesh. The second <laughs> one is a cross that Jesus died on to remove the sins of the world. Three days later, there's a tomb there. They buried him. I, and, and he was writing it down, and he was making, he was jotting it down. And I said, there's an arrow coming out of that tomb for good reason. That's the resurrection of the dead. It's the only way out. The only way I've found, unless you can come up with something, he said, I, I sure can't. So uh, he said, what's that final era? I said, the return. That's all we're waiting on. We're up to that point, waiting on the return, that era coming down out of heaven. He jotted all that down. He said, man, I'm glad I came here today. Walked out the door. <laughs> I mean, he's, that, this was at the end of the end of the church was meeting. He just yeah. came to see what are these arrows about. Well, I told y'all, I think I told y'all when that we moved down here, we bought a house. We had to extend the driveway a little bit. And so when it had that fresh concrete in here, one of our sisters was staying in our house that week. And she sent me a text. She said, do you want me to draw those symbols in the, this fresh concrete? I said, absolutely. That's a great idea. So she did. At the end of my driveway are those symbols. Well, now they're in concrete. So yep. <clears throat> they're there. Yep. And so I've had at least three of my neighbors as they were walking their dogs or whatever, I'd be outside, and they say, "Hey, well, one guy said, what, what are your hieroglyphics there? What, what, what is, what does this mean?'" I said, "Well, I'm Richard. I'm so glad you asked." And so, you know, I was able to share with them. And we just had some new ones move in this weekend. I looked at; they were over there looking at it. I thought, "Well, there's, there's a conversation I'm fixing to have, you know, yep. so, at some point this week." But that's that's living unashamed. The idea that I want everybody to be reconciled to God. And we don't know whether they are or aren't. Just like the guy that told you that, man, he's just glad he heard it. Yep. Well, what's what's not even talked about here is this is providing unity. Nowhere in this paragraph is he singling out the differences we have when it comes to male, female, or race, or how many sins you committed, or where you're from. Or he's already no. covered that. That's what I'm saying. We're all unified with this mission, and we're all Christ's ambassadors. That's why, which it burns up the world, because they want to stop every five minutes and figure out how we're different. And he, in less than five minutes, did what the world cannot seem to do, is find a place to be unified in something that's good. Yep. And so... Whether you're a male or a female or wherever you're from, you're considered an ambassador of Christ, and God is making his appeal through you all across the world on a daily basis, minute to minute. This is what happened. And it's it's in a real simple message. That's why I read that in Acts 26. I mean, you wouldn't think the last person he would be trying to share with is somebody in political power, but he's like— no, that's what we do. You you just how wherever this goes, they they're like, okay, what were you doing? You was out there sharing Jesus in public. We're gonna put you in jail for that. He's like, okay. So then he goes to jail and he's like, 
well, what are you doing now? I'm sharing Jesus with the people that I'm in jail with. <laughs> well, but well, we're going to take you before the judge then. What are you going to do there? Well, I'm going to share Jesus with the guy who's making the judgment on this now. <laughs> well, that, that's just how it, it, it makes perfect sense when you read this section. You're, you're, you are Christ's ambassador, as though he was making his appeal through you in whatever circumstance you get into. That's why the next yeah. chapter. And he didn't say, uh, I'm doing this because you said, well, well if you're doing this, uh, aren't you afraid that God has deserted you? He's got you in prison. He said, no, it's just an opportunity, <laughs> not, a, not a bummer. Oh, Phil, this is, this is really <laughs> it because you just think about how in our world, how many people are bitter about what happened 100 years ago or 50 years ago or oh. five minutes ago or holding a grudge. Oh. He's fixing to spend the next chapter going through every possible terrible thing that you can think of that could happen to you on the earth. And he blames God for none of them. It's a, every one of them is an opportunity. Well, yep. what, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Well, he's just going to keep doing the same thing over. And it all comes from the gospel itself. You think about it. You talk about social injustice. Jesus didn't do one thing wrong, and they killed him on a cross. Not oh. just killed him, but in like an embarrassingly brutal, su- yeah, brutal suffering way. And so what, what's he do about it? What are you going to do about it? Oh, he came back from the dead. That trumps every response to any kind of injustice that could happen. Because not only did he come back from the dead, he wasn't throwing fireballs at the people who did it. Or it, I'm going to burn this whole bunch for that. Oh, he didn't, wasn't doing that. He he said, here, I did this so that now I can give you a way to bring people together back to God. I mean, just think about how beautiful that is. It's a beautiful time. And look at it. So it's not, okay, are bad things going to happen to you in Christ? Maybe every day. Yep. Seems like it was to Paul. That's exactly right. That's what we'll explore on the next podcast. Uh, We've got our overtime segment coming up. A couple more things I wanted to flesh out. Plus, Jason, I found a a new product name that you're going to love um, in the store yesterday. So I'll uh, let you know what that is in our overtime segment. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.